Welcome to From the Valley Podcast. It's the 8th of February 2019. Another week, uh, obviously the final report of the Royal Commission, that, that was quite interesting. Um, we're up to episode 26 now, and uh, it's the edition is uh, Reformed Lawyer Edition today, so welcome along to Farley Tolpen. Thank you, Tim. Nice to be here. I would uh, love to uh, mediate some of those uh, people from the Royal Commission results. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough, mate. Uh, so, yeah, I guess mediation, is it's a, certainly it's a very um, you know, niche sort of area of uh, expertise needed, I think, in order to be what we call a good mediator. We don't see too many of them around. Um, you've obviously started off as a lawyer um, and then obviously into mediation and you've obviously got a lot of experience uh, in mediation Farley um, when did when did uh, how long ago going back uh, going back in time when you were living in the states if you if you sort of recognize the accent there did you sort of decide okay well I'm, I'm really this is something that I'm passionate about I want to help people uh, resolve their issues that sort of thing how did it all sort of start well it's an interesting story so in in i'm from california originally and in the states you don't have barristers so i had my own law practice and i loved to try cases so i was a trial lawyer and uh i looked forward to just continuing to try cases and that's what i did and then i was in the middle of a trial and this is in the mid 90s and uh, I thought it was going well, and I thought I had overprepared and we were going to win. And the judge suddenly uh, looked at my client and basically dismissed our case on his own volition without request from the other side. This is in the middle of a three-week trial. So and, what, and what year was this? Right? Ni- about 95 or 96. Yep. Uh, and the... Uh, uh, we walked out, and the court, uh, the j- client said, what's just happened? I said, uh, we lost. He said, I know. What did you do wrong? And I thought to myself, I didn't do anything wrong. And I, at that point, I was tired, and I decided this new model in California was coming up called mediation, where you would sit and, and, you know, with a lawyer who was a mediator and impartial and try to resolve matters. And so I started taking up mediations instead of trial work. And it, it blossomed, and I still had a law practice, but I concentrated on mediations. So tell me a bit about, I guess, going back uh, earlier in life, where, whereabouts were you born? Uh, when, in your, you know, where did you sort of grow up in your childhood as well? Well, I grew up in, uh, I, I kept moving west. So I grew up in Ohio, and when I was 18, I went to undergraduate in Wisconsin. And then I moved to California and went to law school there. And now I've moved to Brisbane. I keep moving west. I'm not moving to Perth, though. Are you sure? <laughs> Have you been to Perth yet? Have you? Oh no, I haven't. Maybe I. Maybe I'd like it. Oh, I think you would have liked it. Go, yeah. Keep going west. Yeah. <laughs> keep going west. So, uh, what about? Did you have? Uh, what was your parents like uh, growing up? Uh, did they do any? What did they do as a for a profession and that sort of thing? Uh, they owned a furniture store, so they had a. Re- so I grew up in retail, and I've learned I do not want to. Uh, work in retail anymore so as i grew up in it but the good thing about it is i learned how to do contracts i learned how to negotiate i learned how to sell i learned how to move furniture and i learned how a business was run, how to run a business excellent so um and did you have any brothers and sisters i did one, one of each 
Okay. Yes. And uh, what, do they still live in the States? Or? Uh, no, my, uh, my sister's in uh, London and my brother's in Florida. Okay. So we're all over the universe. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. And what do, do they get? What do they get uh, up to? What do they do for a profession? Or uh, my brother is a professor, and my sister has her own business and works with a, a HR kind of business in London. Yes. Excellent. Um, so moving further west and further west, tell us about um, you ended up in San Francisco at some point. Yes. Um, what was life like um, in San Francisco? Is this sort of in the 80s, 90s? or Yeah, so I got there in the early uh, late 70s, early 80s yep. and went to law school there and then stayed. Uh, San Francisco's a, uh, America is a very individualistic place. So mm-hmm. you can make it on your own. But you, there's no infrastructure from government. So I ended up there uh, on my buddy's couch and then got a job, went to law school, uh, graduated, worked for somebody, then started my own business uh, and, you know, did well and uh, had a good time. Lived there almost 30 years. Yeah, 30 years, definitely a long time to live in one place. So what was the main things that attracted you to the way of living in San Francisco? I have been there myself just for a, a very brief holiday. So, I, I, well, Besides the physical beauty, uh, I, I enjoy the people. I enjoy the sort of what I call the progressive attitude, which is, you know, let, let people be as they are, do as they do, you know, it's just so they're, you, you know, you don't do anything criminal or anything like that. Sort of that very old progressive attitude uh it, it reminds me of a very european city instead of an, a typical american city as compared to uh, well you know similar to new york and boston maybe mm. and chicago mm. but and i i just like the feeling of it mm. and what what i mean the climates there what, what's the is the climate sort of a good climate to live in obviously you're there for 30 years so you must have been enjoyed the, the weather yes there was no snow in the winter because i grew up in snow in the winter and you could uh drive three and a half hours and go to the mountains and ski and then come home uh it was temperate mm. and it never really got hot it would get foggy very foggy and it would be so in all of california it would be 30 to 35 degrees in uh, san francisco would be 12 to 15 degrees and windy and cold and foggy and you needed coat gloves hat in the middle of summer yeah yeah funny climate yes and uh what i mean there's a couple of nice sort of areas around there i mean sausalito is one place i went to uh, when i was in san francisco that was quite nice yeah have much to do with that part of did you go, go over there much? Uh, yeah, I used to live in the t- next town after that called Mill Valley. Yeah. Uh, and I spent my last 12 years living out there. And it was it was lovely. It was and nice. Where's your law practice in that area as well? Or? Yes. I Well, I had an office in, in San Francisco, and then my, my main office was in Mill Valley. Yeah. Yeah, right off the highway. Yeah. And so how, how much is that like a... How much of a drive is that into the main part of San Francisco? Well, you know, it depended on the rush hour. Mm. So if you go off rush hours, maybe 20, 30 minutes. Yep. Uh, but if you go rush hour, it could be an hour and a half, sort of like here in Brisbane. Yeah. If you go yeah. rush hour, stop, go, stop, go, stop, go. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it, it's just a great lifestyle. Mm. 
So I guess the what begs the question, I guess, um, when, when when was the first time you ever came to Australia to begin with before you moved here? I mean, did you come here a few times before deciding, okay, well, I'm going to make this big move? Well, I, I was here and I did a big Australian-New Zealand trip, like a six-week trip in 1988. Mm. And I a- actually came to Brisbane to Expo at so, that time. Yeah, Expo 88, Brisbane, yep. yep. And, and, you, and obviously came along. What do you think of the Expo? Oh, I thought it was great. We had a four-day pass. It was great, and, and we ended up at the Hofbrau House in the last every evening at, to close it down. Uh, it was my understanding that started to put Brisbane on the map. That the yeah. Commonwealth Games, and then Sally opening up the restaurants is what my understanding. I thought it was well done. Yep. And so, so the trip, the six-week trip, and then how long, sort of. Um after the 1988, did you just decide, well, this is a place I want to come back to and live? I mean, when, when was the first sort of inkling to say, well, I want to, I'm going to call Australia my new home? Well, I met my wife in about 2006 or 2007, and she's Australian, and she okay. was living in San Francisco. And she said, I'd like to move back to Australia. And I had run my law practice for law and mediation practice for about 25 years, and I decided, okay, I'm ready to move on. Sure, I'll go with you. Um, and we came to we had uh, uh, came to visit this. My wife's from Adelaide mm. to see where we wanted to live, and we were going to go by her job because mm. I was planning to be a lawyer mediator. I'd do that anywhere, and we went back to Adelaide, and this was in July. It was disgustingly cold, and we decided we didn't want to live there. We went to Melbourne, where she had a possible job. Same thing. I mean, be nice one day and disgustingly cold the next day. Mm. Then we came to Brisbane, and Brisbane had grown up since 1988, and went, and she was offered a job at uh, at UQ, and went, let's go there. Here I am nine years later. Mm. Wow, so that's, yeah, so, and then, so obviously the right sort of climate, the right sort of economics here in Brisbane. Um, mediation was what, what, what it was all about. You'd obviously been doing mediation for uh, for quite some time before. Um, you know, obviously you started here in Brisbane. How did you find sort of starting, Was it, did, you, did you have a sense that you were starting from scratch when you sort of came to Brisbane or did you have, did you sort of hit the ground running and have a sort of a job already sort of that you were lined up and, and then you'll, doing some mediation and how, how did it all start out? Well, I, I had some part-time work with an F, a family relationship center, yep. So, which pays you like $2 an hour, or seems like it was $2 an hour, and then I started building my own practice, and that's how you and I met, and you know, I went to business meetings and started introducing myself, getting myself known, starting to do mediations and uh, meeting people, and then I, my business just grew. Mm. where then I didn't need to work for somebody else, even part-time, and now I have my own practice. Mm. No, that's really, really... That's excellent. You sort of uh, realize, you know, you could move right across, you know, from one part of the world to another, and you could pretty much keep doing the same sort of thing that you're doing, just in a different country, different cultures to a degree, different people. Yeah. To, you know, there's always differences when you go from one country to the next. Um, so you know, it, it's obviously you put your mind to it 
it's, it's certainly there's nothing that's going to get in the way of you achieving that, is there, at the end of the day? No, if you want to do it, it's adapting to the culture and working with people and understanding mm. attitudes. And, mm. you know, what I do is help people resolve conflict. And mm. it, it, conflict is conflict. It, it doesn't matter where you are. Mm. Uh, it's how do we get it resolved. So what do you think, the, the, what's the main the, the biggest differences that you sort of learned between the people of San Francisco and America generally and the people of Brisbane and Australia generally when it comes to dealing with conflict? What, what do they do differently? Or, or is it pretty much still the same? You just... You, just it, 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 you don't... It, it, good question. I uh, haven't thought of that before. Um, in Australia, you don't get the type of conflict... As much conflict, it seems to me, as you get in the states. We're a smaller country here, and you don't get. Um, it's more, especially up here north. You know, in Queensland, it's, uh, Sydney's different. Sydney's more like a uh, American city, very litigious, very big, large, and personal. Uh, here, it's more laid back, so you do get the conflict. But it's usually usually can be resolved, and it's usually the lack of communication or something's gone off and can be fixed. Usually, mm. uh, so I don't find it as prolonged or it, and, and it's the amount of money that's in conflict. Usually in America, it seems to me you do get large cases here. Mm. And like the now they have these these matters with the cladding happening happening, uh, but you don't seem to have large large cases like that here as much as you do in in the states. Mm. So so most of your work you would do um, most of the I guess your work in Australia and Brisbane is sort of smaller businesses or no, sorry smaller clients as in. Not, you're not talking huge corporations, or I'm sure you have done um, conflict resolution in Australia with, with you know, fairly large businesses as well. But it's mainly. Um I, I'd say my average matter would be anywhere from, if you're ta putting a monetary value on it, anywhere from five thousand to I've done one that was worth thirteen million. But it's usually somewhere in between. So mm -hmm. anywhere from. Uh, five hundred thousand to mm. three four million is usually the area that I'm mediating in. In my experience, I've mm. done others here. Mm. Uh, I, I do franchise disputes as an example, and those can get very complicated, especially if it's somebody has a lot of franchises. I guess the, the, when you're obviously looking at traits of the the different people involved uh, in the conflicts or in the negotiations, so to speak, do you sort of can you sort of uh, pick up, you know, fairly quickly who the, the you know, the, who the shrewd sort of negotiators are that will basically really use whatever means they can to, to mm. be able to, to win the battle, so to speak? Sure. One of the – well, and the way I do that is I do what's called pre-mediation intakes. Yes. So when yep. Yeah. So when I do a matter, I will speak to the lawyer if there's a lawyer involved – and ask him or her what what's going on, what's it about. So say it's a breach of contract. Okay, now what's really going on? What's driving this matter? So it could be you know could usually it's personalities, 
And then I've got, and I asked, you know, both sides separately on separate telephone calls. And then I asked to speak to the clients. And I explained how we're going to run the mediation so I can build my rapport and then find out where they're traveling and get a history. And, you know, so then I get a flavor of that person. I know who I'm dealing with. Mm. Whether it's a, you know, somebody that's very angry or a narcissist or mm. somebody's got mental issues or drug issues, then I can sort of get an idea. Mm. Uh, even before walking in the door, and when, once you sort of do that pre-medi- um mediation stuff, like do you sort of is every particular th- um, job that's sort of offered to you there, you still want to go ahead and do it? Are there any times, and, and you would have done, you've done thousands and thousands of mediations. So when you have that that those pre-talks, sort of you get. Is there any been a time where you've got red flags and you go, well, I'm just not going to go any further with this. I'm, I just know that there's just nothing. Or do you see that everything's solvable? I, th- it, a good question. I think it, in my mind everything's solvable. And what happens? There might be times I I see that it's not going to resolve, but I look to see if we can maybe resolve some issues. I'll give you an example. There was a yes. ma- mandatory mediation sent to me from the court, a commercial matter. It was not going to resolve. They were one party was bound to go to trial. But what we got to do at mediation is at least resolve some of the underlying issues. So while they had the issues of how much and when and so on and so forth, we we got other issues out of the way. So while it was not what I would call a success and didn't resolve, we probably we probably saved them a week of trial just on resolving. Uh, outer issues and so I look at it that way you can do that but but in my experience in, in commercial matters over 80% resolve at mediation people want to resolve them yeah people do want to resolve and um, and I guess with the, the way the uh, Australians work do you, do you find that as a society we're getting um, is it is it is it getting harder to resolve conflicts or is it the same as what it always was or I, I mean what do you, what do you what are you seeing Australia as a society and people complaining and wanting to be at odds with people is it is it something that's getting more prevalent or is it just status quo it, it's a good question i think it's getting worse and i and, really? and i yeah i think the the conflict is getting worse and i th- i like to say is australia is sort of becoming americanized People are getting crankier. I think people are getting more nervous. The economy, while everybody thinks it's doing well, people are living on edge, uh, in my experience. Yeah. And and you get, I. It seems like people are very either angrier or more frustrated. Uh, and, and I'll give you an example because I do do family law also. Yes. There's more, you know, nastiness that goes with it. More domestic violence. More vitriolic. Uh, anger and more just, you know, just people just angry and angry and angry. Uh, and it seems to be getting worse. Um, and, and it's not only the, that, you see it in the workplace. Uh, and you see the division between employer and employees, uh, the, the disconnect uh, where, you know, workplaces are becoming more dysfunctional. It's my experience just being in this field. Now, I deal with conflict every day, so uh, I could be jaded here, but it, it just seems that, that it's just getting more and more nasty, Yeah. unfortunately. Do you think um, 
there's a couple of points I'm going to bring up in relation to different issues that come up that re, that resolve in continent that sort of lead to conflict um, being you know obviously being prevalent and needing potentially someone like yourself to come in and, and mediate so what what we're hearing a lot more and what we're seeing a lot more in society uh, in 2019 and obviously the, the last few years leading up to this is that uh, mental health is a, is a major issue in Australia uh, maybe in the world uh, where basically conflict can result can be as a part of someone not being mentally well uh, and they're not being you know not being able to sort of agree initially okay in order to you know and that's part of the condition that they either have or they're suffering a mental um, health Mm. breakdown Uh, tell me an example of some of the situations you've seen that involve obviously where mental health has been an issue and you've had to resolve the conflict and, and mediate it well, I, 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 it's a good question. I had a workplace one I did last week. And the, the, it was between a supervisor and an employee, or manager and employee. And there was a lot of political background that went to because the employee had been a manager but then had a breakdown and then came back. And they they employed this uh, gentleman over him as the manager who didn't have the experience, but this gentleman was still suffering mental issues. And he told me, he was frank about it. I have depression, I get very angry and frustrated, Mm. uh, and we, they, you know, the, it was sent to me because they had an incident where there was a screaming match, and it wasn't the first one. Yeah. And so somebody had referred me, and in my conversation with him, he was very honest. And I said, well, you know, and he said, I'm under care. I have this enormous stress, and he was having stressors at home and uh, what have you, and he was having a very hard time dealing with it. So it was classic, and he was... Uh, depressed he was bringing it to the workplace so they were telling you know told me you either get it resolved or he's got to fire him they liked him he was good at what he did Um, we we spent you know and I I went very slow with him and you know and we talked about it his first words to me this is crap Uh, and he used more choice adjectives Uh, uh, and you know, I said, well, you understand what's going on? Yeah. Okay, so can we have a conversation? Sure. And we, we had about an eight-hour mediation with lots of breaks, slowed down, lots of private sessions, and dealing with his issues because he would go very up and down. Yeah. And so it took – and so I it slowed it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another one in, in a family law matter where he had such mental issues that he – he did not I had to call the mediation he just could not function and and be present to talk about the issues and he was he was off his head and I just said look we just have to maybe do this another time and he started screaming and it's like I understand uh and it's very hard uh so those are a couple I've done and how would you sort of do you think that you I mean you've got a very high success rate where you do you consider those one, those ones are obviously like a lot of them can be challenging, but do you find those ones pretty even the more challenging ones to do where that's 
where that's a prevalent issue? You can. Yes. Uh, anger is a big one. If somebody's very, very angry or even bigger is a narcissist. So they're, they're differing degrees of dealing with different kinds of people. The narcissist is almost hard, as hard as working with the ment- a person that has mental issues, is depressed or on meds and because what i what i need to do with the person that has mental health issues is i need to really check in to make sure we can do this yeah because you don't want because while this is a you know supposed to be a harmonious process it can be very negative and very adversarial yes Mm. and so i need to make sure that person can go through that uh and then which is different than dealing which is almost the same as dealing with an angry person can I get this person out of their head so they can just sit and talk about whatever issues we need to talk about? Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. So I guess the other the other part of that sort of situation, and obviously when you get to the end and when you finish working with a particular project client or is uh, feedback that you get uh, after the fact. I mean, do you find that um, you sometimes feel, felt like you've resolved things uh, with a with a conflict, uh, and then f- a month later, um, you're saying, "Look, Farley, we need you to come back in again." Uh-huh. Um, how often does this happen? I do get it. I, I it doesn't happen often. I would say one or two out of ten. Yeah, uh, I get those calls back, particularly the more emotional ones. So if you have a workplace or a family matter where you have high emotions. That's where you get those. Once in a while, you get it in a uh, commercial matter. Uh, I did a partnership dispute, and they uh, they started. And about two or three months later, I got a call because they had an issue they were starting to fall out on. So they called me in for a short mediation, which was good because they nipped it in the bud, uh, as opposed to what they had done previously. So it does happen. And it's good if it happens because I can help them, you know, if they can't deal with it, then they just don't let it fester. Mm. Uh, so probably 10, 15% of the time, I'd say. Yeah. And w- and obviously one of the traits of uh, conflict is someone being a bully. Okay. So that, I mean, that not, not every conflict. I'm just saying that's, if you're, if you're looking at, um, you know, if you look at, say, let's say, look at, you know, the 10 different conflicts. There might be a couple where bullying is an issue, for example. Sure. Tell me how you deal with the bully. Well, again, you have to look at my role. Yep. My role is this is impartial. Yep. Okay. Very hard to be impartial at times because I am a human and I have thought processes and common sense and decency, or I like to, like to think so anyway. Um, what I need to do is build the rapport with the bully and see if the bully will acknowledge that part of his, uh, of the issues here is his or her say it's a him yep. it's his behavior so how do i re, you know and you know by asking questions like you know how many people does it take to conflict minimum two okay and there's two people here right you're one of those yes okay do you acknowledge and, and so the way you deal with a, uh, a bully is you don't attack because that's not going to get you anywhere, but you allow 
the parties to discuss why something is an issue. So uh, I'll give you a workplace bullying one I did a couple months ago. Um, there was a serious lack of communication. So one of the issues, so we make an agenda in the mediation from what your and his or the other party's issues are. And one of the issues are how will we communicate with each other in the future? Okay. What will it look like? And once, you know, there were subcategories. What happens if it goes awry? You know, how, how will we do it mostly, like text or email? And so one of the uh, way what we do is each party gets to say why something's an issue. So in this bullying situation, the other party got to say why communication was an issue. And he explained it, the way you speak to me is condescending and rude, and it's embarrassing in front of my colleagues, uh, and you need to stop it. And uh, what I then I asked the bully why was communication an issue, and he had uh, you know his story. Well, you never listened to me. Da da da. Okay. Then you asked the bully, well, did you hear the, the your colleagues say, you know that the way you're treating him? I did. What do you think? And hopefully they can start to see that. Well, okay, I might not like what he said. I might not agree, but and then they you get them to talk about it to see if that light bulb can go on. The thing I can't do is I can't direct. I can't order. I can communicate and see if they'll work together. Hmm. It's a, it, 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 it's a, it, you know, it's a technique, uh, Tim, where you just have to get the people to talk to each other if you're going to get resolution. So they have to hear each other. And by the time they come to me, as I tell people, they don't come to me because I'm handsome or I've got a great accent. Uh, they come to me because there's crisis. Yep. <laughs> and as people will, t you know, in particularly in employment, people will tell me, if you don't get this resolved, I usually hear this, one or both of them are going to get fired. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, you probably, I mean, over the time, if you look at all the different ones that you've done, you probably, when you're talking employment, type uh, conflicts I mean I reckon I mean you would have saved thousands of employers from from getting rid of somebody wouldn't you yes yeah. and, and stop the conflict and yeah yes but, but, but both you know you, you you're solving a, f a couple of problems you're solving the problem for the employer not necessarily have to employ at that you know re-employ anybody at that time sure and also resolving the conflict uh, which is you know which is really really great and even more than that, if I may interrupt, is yeah. I'm also resolving the inner office politics. Because mm. what happens is when you have warring factions, the, the office, they're going to gossip. And you're, so you're losing hours mm. of work and you're losing people are going to take sides. Mm. And then it's just going to get, it, it just gets uglier. I call it the vortex. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So how many projects do you reckon on average that you would work on in a week uh, fairly obviously you must must be a very busy person um, what, what, what's what's a typical week like uh, usually one to three mediations a week and yeah. and, and it's very interesting Tim's because I'll, I'll I usually don't remember them uh, because I, I you know I've done one today I'll do one the tomorrow next, yeah. yeah and I'll get people called it's like oh do you remember me it's like uh, honestly no give me you know refresh me and uh, and and then what uh, 
it just move on and get them resolved. And most of them resolve, which is great. Do you, sort of, do you find like you're getting more work sort of in in the employment space, the family space, or the business dealing commercial space? It goes up and down. Uh, but obviously okay. all three are fairly regular. I mean, those are regular. and But I, I also do other matters like franchise disputes and some construction disputes. Um, yep. Uh, I do these things called family maintenance in estates disputes where there's claims by children on an estate and how much or, or do they deserve any. Um, it goes in waves. Like, for example, last August and September, I did four or five family uh business partnership disputes could be children and parents mm. or you know bro- there were four brothers in one and mm. uh, so on uh, so but I my bread and butter are commercial workplace and family mm. those are probably take up uh, you know and commercial is very broad because that can include mm. franchise and partnerships and mm. uh, so they take up probably most of my work mm. As far as um, who do you look up to for inspiration? Who are your sort of mentors? I mean, where do you get, if you're looking for something that's going to guide you, what are those factors and who are those people? Well, I, I, I like to go with the, the, the famous. I like to go with uh, Martin Luther King. Okay. Uh, it's like, we, you know, let's bring peace and harmony and Mahatma Gandhi. Those are my, insp- those are my ultimate inspirations. And I've okay. had That's mentors really and teachers mm. who've been mediators that I look at and like, I want to be like that. Yes. Uh, but so I, I start high and then I've got work down in degrees i mean you know we were talking about mandela last night you know here's a guy that's nelson mandela yes has put in prison for what 38 years or some ridiculous number and he comes out and he's not angry Mm. i'd like to be like that you know (laughs) yes uh so, so that's sort of who i look for inspiration okay um what what do you i guess what sort of hobbies do you get up to in your spare time and where I mean, what do you like to do to sort of unwind after, you know, a week of sort of, you know, resolving conflicts or maybe it's a few days before you need a rest? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Um, I usually, we have a beach house, so it's... Whereabouts is the beach house? In uh, the sunny coast. So Sunshine Coast, yeah. Sunshine Coast. And so it's 20 minutes walk to the beach. And so I like to take my dogs down there and that's yeah. just great. Yep. And it's so it's you walk for an hour, hour and a half, and the, all the dogs want to do is play. Yeah. So, what part of the Sunshine Coast? Uh, up near Noosa. Noosa. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yes. Quiet. I'm just outside Noosa, so it's very quiet. Uh, and so that's nice. I like sport. Yeah. So, what are your favorite sports to either participate in or, or watch? Uh, well, and participate in now, uh, I, I, I jog and I walk, but golf. Yep. Although. I, I'm not giving up my day job no. for that. Um, I uh, I like I, I like the Broncos. I like the NRL. So, I like all sport. So have you sort of been interested? Is rugby league something you've sort of liked for a while, or is it just since you've been in Brisbane? Well, yeah. I in, in the states, I I'd never. You, they have rugby. It's small there, but it's rugby union rules. So yeah. I'd never seen rugby uh, league. It's, it's not perceived to be that popular in the states, is it? No. No, you get the ba- baseball, basketball, football yep. are the big things, and then track and field, and yep. then you go to other, yes. Hockey, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hockey's big in certain areas. Uh, stock car racing, 
those NASCAR, yeah. Yeah, NASCAR. I'm into baseball, basketball, football, so I still follow that. So do you follow the NBA at all, the, the NBA basketball? Yes, absolutely. So I'm just trying to guess who your favorite team would be. It would either be, well, I, know, I see where you've sort of gone. Um, it would either be something like Golden State. Absolutely. I used to have season tickets to them, but they were horrible when I had the tickets. Yeah, they're just the best in the world, aren't oh, they? Oh, yes, they're incredible. Um, so you still fight? They're your favorite team at the moment? Yes, they've always yeah. been my favorite. Them and the 49ers in football and the Giants yeah. in baseball. So, who, yeah, so a little bit of. So the 49ers, who do you prefer, Steve Young and Joe Montana? Oh, oh, that's a difficult question. <laughs> Probably uh, Joe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because he was classic. He was yes. a classic. That is for sure. Yes. Um, so, uh, and then, do you read many books at all? Do you sort of. You, do you do sort of uh, do much reading in your spare time as well, just to keep keep on keep yourself sharp? Or? I I do. I you know I have to read my local my stuff for continuing education. But I like I just finished all of Bryce Courtney's books. Oh yeah, you, Bryce Courtney. Yeah, right. they're great books. I uh, like them. And now I'm reading a guy Scott Turow, another sort of fun mystery kind of books. Mm. Uh, so I try to just read light when I'm. Mm when I have my free time. So now that you've sort of left the States and you've, you've obviously been left for most of 10 years, yes. about, um, do you have much of a connection back to the States now? Do you sort of talking to, still keeping in contact with all your old friends uh, quite a bit or do you find that you've really started more of a new life here in Brisbane? I find that I've started a new life in Brisbane. I still keep in contact, particularly on social media with my friends. Yep. But we, it was funny we were talking about the other day. Nobody, I've gone to the back to the states a couple times, but all, nobody, none of my friends have come out here to visit. There, mm. are, there's an open door. They know they're invited. So, that's yeah, interesting. When was the last time you were back there? Uh, four years ago. And I really don't have a desire to go back. Mm. And do you ever go to London to see your sister then? Or? Uh, yeah, every. I, I, Probably uh, four years ago, I did a trip to the States in London, yes. Yeah, okay. And she comes out here on occasion. That's good. Excellent. Yes. Um, yeah, so that, yeah. So what about, uh, now you, you obviously, and I read this in a couple of your um, blogs going back a few years, um, people always ask you about Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> they ask you about politics in the States. Is it something you have a lot of do you, now that you've been here as long as you have it, do you still sort of care about the politics in the states is it um, something you still follow closely or are you saying well that's I don't want to know about that anymore I wish I didn't want to know about it but unfortunately I grew up in politics my dad was a politician so I follow it I still vote so I can vote here I'm an Australian citizen now I can vote here but I can also vote in the states so you can vote in two countries yes I do not too many people can do that no I, I feel special <laughs> um, and I do follow it very closely and I follow and I still follow not so much local races in California but who the federal races, not the state. Yeah. So, yes, I follow Donald Trump. I listen to, much to my chagrin, I listened to his State of the Union speech. Uh, well, I mean, I didn't listen to the State of the Union speech, but what was your overall, just to sum it up, what, what was your sort of feeling? Well, he started out, it started out very well. I was surprised. He started out very conciliatory. 
let's get along. Let's, you know, we can work together. Let's put politics aside. Let's be collaborative. And then he went right into combative. You know, uh, we we will build the wall. We yeah. will do this. Stop all these investigations. And then he mm. just yes, yeah. So um, yeah, there's a sort of quote that that's probably 20 years old now. There's a quote that I want to use here um, to sum this sort of that sort of up. Um, Donald Trump speaks like he's you know you know we're all working together as a team. We're all working as a, together as a country. Um, I'll, I'll listen to it. If you ever listen to um, go go back twenty years before you came here in Australia, um, I, don't, I don't know if you follow the cricket, but the cricket used to still was quite big, and they used to have this guy called the Twelfth Man, right? They used to have the he, he used to sort of do like a, a bit of a spoof on the um, the commentators of the of the cricket, uh-huh. right? And there used to be a guy now passed away, Richie Benno. Oh yes, Richie Benno. Um, when they have the Richie Benno crowd on the second day of the tests. Yeah, yes. so the Richie Benno. So he, this guy, twelfth man guy, took off Richie Benno, and Richie Benno was the captain of the commentary team. Right, yes. he was the captain of the commentary team, and he, even though this wasn't the case, but he 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 put it out there like he goes, "Okay, guys, we're going to work as a team." And we're going to do it my way. <laughs> so that's one of my favourite quotes to use: "Is okay, guys. We're going to work as a team, but we're going to do it my, my way." way. And yes. that's the that's the Donald Trump uh, mantra, in my opinion. I, I and, and I agree with you. I mean, I, I my my son put it this way: this guy was a reality TV star. Yeah, and that's what you know, the art of the deal. Yes, it's uh, and and yet it, you've hit it on the head. <laughs> yes, sort of surreal. Yeah, so that yeah. Does, that I've, I've you only use that every. I just use it to muck around, but yes, it's it's one of those things that you can apply to something like that. You know, it's um, absolutely. It's yeah. it's a good statement. It, it, it sums it up well. It does sum it up well. Yes. What, and what I mean, you've been here. You've seen this mess of a politics uh, for the last nine years. What, what do you think about the Australian politics compared to what's going on over there? Well, one of the interesting things I think about is – well, there's a couple things. The first thing is is if I acted like those politicians act uh, when they're you know on open mic in session and question time, I would be out of a job. Just inappropriate. Mm. That's not that's – not, there's no decorum. There's a total lack of civility and decorum. Yep. So that's the first thing, because in the the one thing in the U.S. politics, even though it's ridiculously polarized, is when you're in Congress, you have to be civil and respectful. You cannot talk out of turn. You cannot yell. You can't do any of that. And what you have to do, the way I w- you get another, you address and you want to badger another uh, congressperson is you you use adjectives. So I'd like to address the most righteous, honorable, intelligent, prophetic, you know, you go on and on. The more adjectives you're using, the more you're calling the person a dummy. Um, the parliament system here is, it, it, I, I don't like it. I don't like the polarization. I don't like ultras of anything. It doesn't work uh, because we're supposed to work together as a team. So... Uh, the politics here is it, it it's well it's not as bad as the states there it's very polarizing really? okay. yeah i don't find we've i mean we've, 
having so many different changes of prime minister, though, that must um, must think, well, you know, what's going on here? I mean, we've had when you look at um, you know, Howard Rudd, um, well, then we had Julia Gillard back to mm. Rudd, then then Tony Abbott, then Turnbull, and now Scott Morrison, yeah. and that's since you've been here. That's six, yeah. So I got here just when Rudd uh, was uh, on. Kevin 07. Yeah, yeah Kevin 07. <laughs> and I got here in about 09. So, yep. and then, uh, yeah, yes. He's on his way out. Yeah, yeah, that was like, it's like, stop this. It's like, uh, and I, the one thing, I, that's what I don't, the only thing I don't like about the parliamentary system, or two things, is at least in the state you elect the president. Yeah. Uh, whether this that system's well, antiquated. The, the party elects the president here, obviously. Yes. So. And another thing is ministers aren't necessarily trained in that field. Okay, example, Wayne Swan, Josh Frydenberg, um, the prime minister now, is they are all treasures, but they're not tre- they don't have finance degrees. At least when you have with uh, cabinet members in the states, they're in that area. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I've always found that quite strange that, um, yes, they're high-profile. They get to a position of being a high-profile politician in Australia. Yes. But they're not the best person to be the face of the finance or the, or the treasury. Then they haven't got the analytical skills that some other people might possess that are politicians or exactly just get someone in there who who's a CFO or somebody who can know the numbers and be able to and at least talk as well so you can't just have a, a face and it's it's probably an embarrassing thing that people don't talk about enough and, and uh, that it's a, it's a big problem so that to me I, I completely agree with that that's that's a really good point uh, Farley to be honest really good point um, I guess Brisbane do you see yourself sort of living here for the rest of your days, is there is there a retirement plan other than Brisbane, sunny coast? Move up there, or? yes. Yeah, but I, I'm not going to retire. I like what I do. Yeah, yeah. So I'll live up there and you know work around the southeast Queensland. But I go anywhere. Actually, I've done matters in Wandai, Adelaide, Alice Springs, Sydney. So I'll, I'll travel wherever. You know, it's sort of fun to travel and go do a job somewhere. Yeah. Did you yes. say you said you? I don't think you've ever been to Perth. Is that correct? Or That's correct. I haven't. You been need there. to go there. Um, I went there about. I was actually just popped up on my Facebook. It was twelve months ago to, okay. to about the day uh, when we arrived there first time. So um, worth going to. Worth having a look. It's a beautiful one week holiday or maybe even longer um, around that area. There's there's um, uh, Rottnest Island, just an island where you basically don't need vehicles you just take your bike oh nice uh, around okay there. so you, you, you take out on a cruise uh-huh. um but perth's a different sort of heat to brisbane perth's a, uh, more of a, a not it's 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 a it's a dry heat as opposed to a humid heat okay so some people prefer that sort of dry heat as a, you know over the, the humid heat. It, it does have enough going for it um yeah, do yourself a favour and at least you know in the next few years get there. Just have a bit of a look. Uh, I'm not saying move there. Maybe no. move, keep moving west. That's where you'd end up. But <laughs> but it's um, but they're always you know they're always two hours behind anyway. So oh, that's true. I want to go to Margaret River. That's on my bucket list. Yeah, Margaret River didn't end up 
getting there, yeah. but that would if that's on your bucket list, that's what you do as well. You obviously Margaret River, Fremantle, yep. Perth, South Perth, the cafes, all the beaches like um, uh, yeah, what's Cottesloe Beach? Yep. Um, uh, there's another Scarborough there as well. Um, I also want to go up to the Kimberleys. That's on my list yeah. too. So that's yeah. all in Western Australia. Yeah, my parents have been doing the caravan thing in Western Australia um, over the last 12 months, so they spent oh, a lot of time there. Um, that's, I think they're in that sort of area at the moment. They'll probably be coming back at some point in the next couple of months. Are they having a good time? Oh, they haven't, they're retired. They're having too good a time. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – they're having a great time. I think uh, they're just going to be careful. I think mum injured her ankle at some point, and, you know, that's, that's never good when you're out in the middle of nowhere. No, that – Kimberley's no. or wherever. So you just got to be – be mindful of that sort of thing but um so yeah i mean it's it's been enjoyable catching up with you farley because we haven't really as i said we don't get to catch up probably enough as much as we should um but you know you're sort of one person that uh because of you you've got that niche skill of mediation um i think you know what you've spoken about today has put a bit of an insight into some of those you know different examples that you may come across um, I mean, we used your services probably about was it three or four years ago. We decided um, to uh, give Farley a go with a but you know two employees sort of uh, at odds at the time, and we couldn't we couldn't really resolve it uh, here in the office. So what we did is we um, decided to give Farley a buzz, and because uh, I had faith, I'd sort of had faith that this could work, and it worked uh, a lot better than I thought, Farley. Oh, thank you. That was the, um, yeah. Thank you. Now at the at the time there were two um, reception uh, admin staff. Uh, obviously had to share desk space not too far apart. Um, and there's always that. Yeah, you, know, you can get into those situations if you're working too closely together. Sometimes something can trigger a happen and and there's a bit of a you know tethering in 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 their um, you know in their sort of working relationship and then all of a sudden you're getting. He, you know, she said, she said. In this case, uh, but you know, and I, you had your system, you you, you worked it out. Um, it took you know record time, really. It didn't take long to to resolve. You, you know, it was a great method, and that, and I've, you know, since that time, I always remember. And if something similar comes up like that again, it's 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 an easy thing to say. Okay, well, I know Farley can. It's got to, you know, it can probably solve this. He's probably seen it a million times. So. Well, and, and one of the things is, is I don't solve it. They solve it, but I help them yes. with tools to get it solved. And and really, because, because I remember that situation, and it was getting ugly in the front there. Clients were hearing them snipe at each other, and it was just getting to the point that it needed to be resolved, and it, and it got resolved. So it's how... I can help them resolve it. I one of the things, uh, Tim, if I can, real quick, is I on one of my blogs a couple years ago. I did a uh, how I would mediate with Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders. Uh, I have to read that. I have yes. to read that one. Yeah, that was it. Was a good, it's a good one. It's uh, and uh, people liked it. I maybe should put it back on or you know redo it. There it is. Is that, It says mediation with Donald Trump. Yes. Is 
Let's talk about Bernie. Oh, yeah, Bernie, here we go. Yeah, so this was during the primaries. I would be the mediator in a private but recorded mediation. No outside agency would have access to the contents. The tape would only be released by mutual consent between Donald, Bernie and myself. If there was no such agreement, it would be released to the public in 50 years. Yes. <laughs> that Interesting. Interesting. Uh, and, and because the thing, one of the things I had to figure out was how do I get these two to sit down uh, and have a conversation? And that was one of the things that I figured out. They would not do that mm. unless it was private. And I mean, talking about Donald Trump and and uh, and obviously what we what we saw as a more recent conflict, you know, that was a that certainly was an issue with the shutdown. I mean, how would you would you have been if you you would have used some of your tools to maybe help that situation, wouldn't you? Well, you would have, you would have had to talk to him. It would have been difficult. That would have been uh, because it, it, it was so positional and he was so angry. Uh, and it, if I had been called in, all I would ask him, can I just explore some alternatives? So he could get a either a win or a perceived win. Mm. So, okay, if we uh, sort of what he did, okay, I'll end it, but we need to make do something. Then I'll end it for three weeks. Well, maybe that should have come up way at the beginning. Mm. Can we do something short term? Mm. Yeah, no, I really appreciate your time here today, um, uh, Farley. It's, I know it's a Friday. Well, you got much planned this weekend? Or? Uh, I've got a mediation this afternoon. And then relax. Relax. I'll yes. Take a picture of the for the podcast just in front of the of the microphone. There. Okay. That's good. So thank you. Um, yeah. No. So any sort of travel plans? Are you sort of getting getting around and seeing any parts of the world that's still on your bucket list that you're going to sooner rather than later, or not? Just around Australia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's a big country. It is a big country, and when you start driving it, you know we've driven to Early Beach, I've driven to Adelaide, I've driven to Melbourne, I've driven to Sydney. Have you been to Tasmania yet? No, that's on my bucket list. Yes. And uh, you've you've been in New Zealand before, haven't you? Yes. A couple um, both, times. Both both islands, or yes. Okay, so you've seen a bit of that. Yes. Tasmania is definitely Hobart in particular. Yep. There's going to be there's plenty down there to do, so make sure you do it. So Perth, Tasmania. Okay. You've got to do those ones, I think. All right. And I, I also, I've been told in Tasmania that you drive north too, go up in the north part of the island. It's supposed to be beautiful. Yeah, so definitely um, Tasmania's got a lot of beautiful scenery. Um, it's got the east coast is really nice, the, you know, um, Bichino, Swansea. Uh, all that sort of east coast is really nice. Um, north, northwest, and is a bit not as it's, it's not like a compulsory to go to that part of. Okay. There, there's plenty to do in the south part. Bruni mm-hmm. Island is really, really nice. Um, I was just talking to one of my clients who'd uh, recently been to Tasmania for the first time, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he went. Yeah, he, he did the. I think he did the right thing. He spent about a week there. And saw and you can see enough in about a week or can some, you? sometimes you can see you know maybe a week and a half to two weeks you, you can relax even more but um, plenty to do in the south part of the state as well there's the Huon Valley um, lots to see Hastings Caves um, Port Arthur okay um, Launceston it's there's probably a bit to do up there but I always find it's stuck in the 80s ah okay um, they don't do I mean they don't do as much infrastructure-wise in Launceston when I was there a few years back. Um, and I haven't really been to the Northwest for since I lived there, probably okay. hardly. Well, I lived there when I was a kid. So, 
um, as you know, yeah, so I was born born in Tassie. Yeah, I, I know you went to university there, I noticed. Yeah. 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 So so if I go, then I'll pick your brain. Okay. Yeah, Mount Wellington's beautiful. You've got the top of Mount Wellington, which is really uh, a 15-minute drive from the Hobart City up the mountain. Yep. Um, just a beautiful view uh, on a clear day, obviously. Yes. If it's not clear, it's not as great, and sometimes in, it'll snow on that on that mountain uh, in winter. Um, yeah. You get some sort of snow. Not, not You obviously can't no ski fields or anything, but um, I'm not going to go in winter. It's too cold. <laughs> I'm done with cold. No, it, yeah. it's still a great place to go in summer though, because yes. um, the weather's probably less than here. Mm-hmm. Not as hot. So not as definitely not as humid. Um, the taste of Tasmania is definitely yeah, that's definitely worth going to. All right, um, I will do that. Yeah. So that's been. Uh, that's been a great podcast. I thank you for coming on coming on the podcast today, Farley. No doubt we'll catch up again soon uh, as 2019 kicks around. Um, yeah, so thank you for coming along. Any final words? Uh, no, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It's not what I expected, so that's great. And uh, it'll be uploaded uh, today. And okay. uh, hopefully we'll be on the – so just uh, to sprout your website, it's Mediation Experts com.au so there's just a plug for your website hopefully i'll put that up on the link as well um from the valley podcast.com the website's obviously up and working uh tim so look, yes. w- one thing it's the mediation experts.com.au or you can go mediation experts.com.au yeah there's also the in front as well so there's yeah. there's, a, there's there's that so excellent um and it's just a really good service that you provide and uh, you know it's it's wonderful. So, but anyway, thank you very much. And, Thanks, uh, Tim. Have a have a great weekend. You too. Thank you.